0: Thank you, Nancy, and I hope that that's a prayer that all of us share with her. May God show us how to love indeed and in truth. I invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 8, the book of Psalms and the eighth one, written by David. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth, who hath displayed thy splendor above the heavens. From the mouth of infants and nursing babes thou hast established strength because of thine adversaries to make the enemy and the revengeful cease. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars, which thou hast ordained. What is man? What is man that thou, would, thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? Yet thou hast made him a little lower than Elohim. Here probably referring to the angels. Thou hast made him a little lower than the mighty ones, and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Thou dost make him to rule over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, O Yahweh, our Adonai, How majestic is thy name in all the earth! Have you ever asked yourself the question, Why are so many Christians losing their battles when Jesus Christ has already won the war? Have you ever asked yourself the question, Why do I lose so many battles in my life? If I am a victor in Jesus Christ, and if he has won the war for me, why do Christians lose? The answer is that there are some who don't realize they're at war in the first place. If you don't realize you're at war, it's easy to lose. Then there are others who know they're at war, but they're ignorant of the nature of the war they're in. And then there are those who don't grasp anything about their identity or their authority in Jesus Christ as victors in him. Because of this, I want to spend several weeks on the theme of spiritual warfare. I'm calling it the Invisible War. We need to understand that we are at war. We need to understand something about that battle that we are all in. And third, we need to understand who we are in Jesus Christ so that we can be victors and not losers. Now as I say that, there are probably some thoughts going through minds here that say like something like this, I don't need this kind of a theme. This doesn't apply to me. And if that's the case, I'm not at all surprised. Because if there is any theme that the enemy wants you to be ignorant about, it's the one we're going to talk about in the next few months. Today we're going to look at a foundational truth, a biblical view of reality. This foundational message will help us to understand why the idea of spiritual warfare seems so foreign to us. It is not foreign to everybody here. There are some who are listening to me who have experienced such bizarre occurrences in their lives that they've never told anybody to this day about them. Some of you have had experiences that if you shared with somebody, you're afraid they would say you're crazy. Some of you have seen things. Others of you hear voices. A survey was done on college campuses, Christian college campuses, some time ago, and it revealed that a great number of those students hear voices on a regular basis. But you've never told anybody that unless they label you as nuts or psychotic or schizophrenic or some other label. Where do these things come from? How do you explain the bizarre things that happen to us? The answer is found in spiritual warfare, this invisible war that is taking place around us all the time. We are not born with an understanding of reality. We learn what the world is like as we grow up, or at least we come to a perception of what the world is like our problem is that our perception of reality may not be true. What happens when a person or a whole generation grows up learning lies? The resulting view of reality is inaccurate and false. Reality is unreal. It doesn't truly fit but that perception that the person has is that it's reality let me illustrate it this way we have an airplane pilot sitting in the cockpit he's flying in the clouds he can't see a thing out there and so he is doing what he's been trained to do is relying on his instruments but his instruments have not been calibrated properly they weren't set right And so he's flying along thinking everything is just great. His reality is inside that cockpit. He's going by the instruments that he's learned to trust. He doesn't realize they're not set according to what is true. The result of that is tragedy. And I want to submit to you that we have, for the most part, a whole generation or more in our nation that has been raised on lies and thinks it perceives reality when in fact it is lost. It has lost its way and everything's fine inside the cockpit but one of these days true reality, real reality is going to appear and then it's going to be too late. There's going to be disaster. Charles Kraft writes, We see the world, both physical and all other aspects of it, as we have been taught to see it. It is part of our worldview to assume that our way of seeing the world is right. We from Western nations bordering the North Atlantic have been taught or allowed to assume that our perception of reality is the same as the absolute reality itself. This is the problem of worldview. As we think about worldview, what does that word mean? It's not a very difficult concept, really. A worldview is the grid by which we interpret what happens to us. As I said before, we're not born with that grid. It forms as we grow up. Based upon that grid, we then interpret things that we see and hear and experiences we have according to that worldview. A worldview is a framework for us understanding the world around us. There are four worldview questions which, if you answer, will expose what your worldview really is. First of all, what is real? What is real? Secondly, who am I? Third, what is the world about? And four, how do I explain events? Now, if you think about those four questions and write down answers, you will uncover what your world of view really is. And I want you to know that your worldview is very important because it influences everything about your life. Your worldview influences everything about your life. That's why it's so important that your worldview align with the Word of God. As we think about this, I want us to consider this morning first some worldview alternatives. Basically, there are two views of the world. There is the spiritualistic view and the materialistic view. Those accepting the spiritualistic view believe that ultimate reality is spiritual and not physical or material. Ultimate reality is spiritual, that's where it gets its name. Now whether that ultimate spiritual reality is a personal God, as in the Christian view, or it's an impersonal God, as the Buddhists view it, the concept is, the commonality is, that Ultimate reality is spiritual and immaterial. Most of the five billion people in the world hold to some form of the spiritualistic worldview. Major religions of the world have this basic view in common. Even though there may be vast differences in their other theology, underneath it, they have this worldview that ultimate reality is found in the immaterial world, in the spiritual world. Now get, let me give you some examples of those who accept the spiritualistic worldview. First there are those who believe in animism. This is the most common worldview. It is the belief of tribal peoples of the world and it is the belief of Islam, as a matter of fact, animism. The idea is that spirits inhabit all things, the rocks and the trees and the water and that chair and that light up there, spirits inhabit everything, and religion or life is about pleasing those spirits or trying to keep them off your back. Animism. Then there's pantheism, the belief that God is everything and everything is God. Multiplied millions of people in the world accept that as their worldview. That's one reason that uh, there's starvation in India. Lots of cows walking around, they won't kill them because those cows are God's. God is in everything, and everything is God. Not only do Hindus believe this, but parts of Buddhism, especially Zen Buddhism, accept this idea that everything is God, and God is everything. Then there's mysticism, or we might call it magic or sorcery. This is a worldview of some. It basically has two parts. There's witchcraft, the Wiccan religion, It is pre-Christian in the sense that it existed long before Christ came to the earth. Those who practice witchcraft believe in the forces of nature. And these forces are spiritual to them, so they're under the spiritualistic worldview, you see. On the other hand, you have uh, a post-Christian group called Satanists. Now they exist primarily to mock Christianity and to worship the devil instead of Christ. They likewise believe in spirits, so they're spiritualistic, but they're under this subcategory of mysticism or the magic worldview or sorcery. Of course, there's deism. Deism is what many of our founding fathers in America believe. The idea is that God is a personal God, but he created the universe and then left. He went off somewhere and has left the universe to wind down according to the natural laws that he left in place. So you can't really know this God, whoever he is. He created us, but we can't know him. And so you see that our documents uh, in the founding of our nation speak of God as our creator and we as creatures and so on. Now, some of them are also theists, which is the next group, but deism was really prominent in America 200 years ago. And then there is theism, and that's what we accept. Theism believes that God is a transcendent and eminent, eternal and personal being. God is transcendent in the sense that uh, he exists Above, beyond, and separate from his creation. He is transcendent. He's different than we are. He is not created. He's the creator. But God is also immanent, which means that he is a part of his creation. He's not off somewhere. He's with us. It's not that the creation itself is God, but he is in his creation everywhere. He's immanent. And then, of course, he is eternal. And God is personal. He is a person. He has the elements of personality. So those are some of the subviews that fall under spiritualistic worldview. You didn't know there were so many, did you? There is another worldview that uh, is in our world today. It's called the materialistic worldview. And as you might expect, it's just the opposite of what I've described. Those who are materialists believe that ultimate reality is in material things, in physical things, not in the spiritual. The children of the materialistic world of view include uh, communism or Marxism, atheism, and the one that controls our culture, evolutionism. Dr. Ed Murphy says that there are five important conclusions that result from the materialistic worldview of reality. Number one, the universe is a cosmic accident that has no ultimate purpose. And so astronomers discover that the universe, they say, is billions and billions of years old matter has always existed, it exploded into its present form, and someday it's going to come back together, but matter has always been here. And it's all just accidental. We don't understand where it came from. It has no purpose to us at all. Secondly, human life is a biological accident that has no ultimate significance. Our ancestors washed up on some primordial shore and began evolving and so here we are today and it's all accidental there is no real significance to human life beyond that third life ends forever at death for each individual form of life including humans in other words when you die that's it there's nothing beyond that that's the materialistic worldview fourth mind has no separate existence or survival apart from the brain. In other words, the ability to think and to reason that we have is simply the reaction of chemicals and electrical impulses in our brain. And when our brain dies, we're done. There is no mind that goes beyond that. Basically, man is a machine. And when the machine stops, that's it. And fifth, humanity's intuitive historical belief in an ultimate mind or spirit or God who is behind, within, and outside of the physical universe is a form of self-deception. In other words, if you accept the Christian viewpoint, you are self-deceived. And until the last two months, this has been the position, the official position, of psychiatry and psychology. If you believe the Christian worldview point, you have a mental illness. You are deceived because that is absolutely impossible for a God to exist beyond the materialistic world. This is all there is. There is no God by supposition, by presupposition, there is no God. Thus. Humanity's corresponding belief in human uniqueness, dignity, purpose, and survival beyond death is a non-real view of reality. Any idea that a person lasts beyond death is just non-real. It's ignorant to the materialistic worldview. Now, the materialistic worldview, or the naturalistic worldview, as it's sometimes called, leads to a philosophy of life that is called nihilism. Nihilism means nothingness. It's the philosophy of nothingness. This philosophy was espoused by a man whose name you might have heard somewhere along the line, by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche, who was a German atheist who died in 1900. He boasted, God is dead and we have killed him. His philosophy of life results in no ethical values at all except what is good to each individual. You decide what is good for you, I'll decide what's good for me. Now does any of this begin to sound familiar? You see, this is the whole world view that controls our culture. And so what I'm telling you this morning is that you and I have been reared in a culture and an educational system for the most of us that has lied to us about what reality is. That's why spiritual warfare seems so far out. Have you been to an art gallery recently to look at modern art? So-called? You look at it and say, I don't understand that. You know why that is you have something up here you have a brain (laughs) you say that doesn't mean anything and you're absolutely correct and that's what the artist wants you to know because his philosophy is that life is nothing and he reflects it in his art life has no meaning therefore he scribbles all over this canvas and calls it art And our world applauds and says, isn't that marvelous? It's nihilism. And it comes out of the worldview of our culture. Some of our music comes out of that as well. One of the uh, most famous musicians in grunge rock killed himself two days ago. Why? Why? He was simply living out his philosophy of life which he has sung to your children which says that life is meaningless. Be angry. Rebel. Do something. But in the end it's all nothing anyway. And finally practicing what he believes he put a shotgun to his head. you understand how this is relating to the world that we live in? The current Western view of reality is the materialistic one. It arose out of the Enlightenment, which might better be called the Endarkenment. The Enlightenment, ladies and gentlemen, was an absolute disaster to humanity. But it is applauded in our schools and our universities as being the greatest thing that has happened to man in his history. But the enlightenment was an absolute disaster because it exalted human reason above divine revelation and exalted man to the center of the universe and has led man to nothingness. Our worldview today says that the universe is a closed system. The events that take place around us are uniform cause and effect relationships which are entirely predictable. This happens and this results and because that happened this results and because that happened this results and on and on it goes. And there is no possibility according to this world view of some transcendent reality like God intervening. Because God just can't exist, you see. Because what's real is what's material. And it results in ethical relativism where there is no objective right and wrong. And what is good is what's good for each individual. Does this have any relationship to the abortion debate and choosing what is good for me, the right to choose, the right to privacy? Does this have any relationship to Dr. Kevorkian and to those who believe in assisted suicide? Life is meaningless. I mean, if, if life has no purpose, and it ends at death, and it's all meaningless anyway, and you're in pain, the absolute most reasonable thing in the world to do is to kill yourself. If you accept that worldview. Kevorkian is right on target with nihilism, with a materialistic worldview. Maybe this helps you understand a bit of what you see happening in our culture and you're trying to say, where in the world is this stuff coming from? Well, though we have been taught these kinds of lies, many of us have also been taught the Bible through the years, and so we have enough of that that this other stuff doesn't make sense. But for those who have not had the Bible, all of this other stuff just fits right in. It's all they know. They're the pilot in the cockpit. Their instruments are wrong. They're flying to disaster and don't even know it. There are two tiers of reality to Western thinking as it evolved. First there there's the spiritual. Let's say it's up here. This is religion. This is where there's faith, and there are miracles and the sacred and other worldly problems. And then down here is the, the material. Here is science. Here is sight and experience, the natural order, that which is secular, and this worldly problems. The Western worldview separated these two through the Enlightenment, and now has come to the point of declaring what is up here in the spiritual as being mythical. It doesn't really exist. And what is scientific, what is material, is truth. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the philosophical reason why they don't want creation science in public schools. You don't want to teach kids myths. You want to teach them the truth. Creation science belongs to the spiritual realm. You see, that doesn't really exist. It all comes out of the worldview of our culture. Our nation was founded on the materialistic worldview, even if it was deism in part. But now that has changed to a materialistic worldview, and that, folks, is the heart of our cultural war that we're engaged in today. Now, I don't have time to talk about it except to mention it, but there is a new worldview that is emerging very rapidly in the last ten years. You see, the nihilism and the materialism that the West has adopted has led to nothingness quite naturally. And that doesn't satisfy the heart. We, we are created for something more than that, though they don't want to say it in those terms. And so there is a, a new worldview emerging called the New Age worldview. And it is sweeping into our public schools. Do you know that there's curriculum in some public schools today teaching them how to have spiritual experiences, Except it's seances, how to curse somebody under witchcraft? You see, there in, under New Age, there is again a wedding of the spiritual and the material in the Western worldview, except they're tying in to the dark side of what is spiritual instead of God. Well, having talked about the false alternatives, let's talk about the worldview actuality before we go. We get this out of Psalm 8, What is the truth? How ought we to see the world from a biblical perspective? If some of what I have picked up as I have grown up is an error, how do I get that flushed out and begin to live on what is biblical? We don't have time to uh, expound the psalm, but just look at it with me and notice, first of all, that there is a spiritual reality. Oh Yahweh, God's personal name. Our Adonai, God's title of greatness. How excellent is your name. There's God. And not only is there God, but there are angels, according to verse 5. God has created man a little lower than the angels. They're a part of the spirit realm, too. Is there material reality in the biblical worldview? Yes. He talks about the field and the seas and fish and all kinds of animals. So there's animate and inanimate physical reality. So you've got these two again. What brings them together? The answer is humanity. You see, man is part spiritual and part physical. We are made by heaven out of the elements of the earth. So we link together the spiritual and the physical. That's the biblical view of reality. The result is that we are affected by what happens in both of these other dimensions. We are affected by what happens in the spiritual realm, which the Bible, in Ephesians at least, calls the heavenlies. And we are affected by what happens on the earth. We are related to both realms. We learn of the spiritual through revelation from God, the Bible. We learn of the material by science and our senses. That is the worldview actuality. Spiritual, material, and humanity linked to both of them. Now, (laughs) let's try to close with some applications of this worldview. To do that, let's go back to our four worldview questions. The first question is, what is real? What does our culture say? What is real is what is material. The Bible says what is real is God. God being defined as an infinite, eternal, supreme, and personal spirit who has disclosed himself to man through the Bible as well as through his creation, history, conscience, and ultimately in the incarnation of the Logos, the Word, Jesus Christ. So what is real? The answer is very simple and extremely profound, God. There is where we begin with our presuppositions and our worldview. God is what is real. He is the ultimate reality. Second question, who am I? Well, according to the psalm, we are made by God. He has made us a little lower than the angels. We're not on the same level as the angels, in God's order. We're a little lower than the angels. We are specially created people, made in the likeness of God, with emotion, will, and intellect, and we are responsible for the choices that we make in life. This is very important. It means that we have value because we are. Not because of what we do or don't do, but because of what we are. We are the created beings of God. And even in the most depraved of human beings, there is still that image of God, however perverted and twisted it may be, because there is still the element of personhood there. You are important to God. You are one who is filled with dignity. Yes, and perhaps depravity as well until the Redeemer comes and saves you from your sin. But you have dignity as a created being. And yet there are vast numbers of people who have thoughts going through their minds constantly. You are nothing. You are worthless you might as well end it right now. Just go out and kill yourself. Your life has no significance, nobody cares. God can never accept you if God exists. And some of you are struggling with those thoughts today. You need to understand that those thoughts can arise from yourself. They can also arise from and be magnified by angelic creatures who are seeking to destroy you as one who has great value to God. We're going to talk about that more in spiritual warfare. What is the world about? Well, the revelation of the scriptures provides a context for understanding how the world came to be, how it got into its present condition, and where history is heading. Just to sum it up, what is the world about? It's about the glory of God. It's about God fulfilling His purpose. About God giving significance to His creation because it's His. How do I explain events? As the outworking of God's eternal and good purposes. You see, God is ultimately sovereign and in control of everything, even my pain. And I may not understand that. I may not be able to comprehend why. But I can know this, that there is a God who is good, who is in control. And yet, aren't we brought up to say to people, good luck? Well, fortunately, hey, there's no such thing as fortune or luck. They are myths. There is only providence, God's providence. How do we interpret events? As a battle between the cosmic forces of God and the fallen creature Lucifer. God has established the rules for this battle and both sides operate within those boundaries. God will ultimately demonstrate his wisdom through the execution of His victory won at the cross. But for the present time, there is a cosmic battle going on. And ladies and gentlemen, because we as human beings are linked to the spiritual realm, we are involved in that battle. And whether we want to be or not is not even the issue. We are. Some people like to think, well, if I just stay ignorant of it, the devil will leave me alone. He's got you right where he wants you and leave you alone is the furthest thing from his mind, let me tell you. The need we have is to become equipped to do battle. And it begins with understanding our world. Some people reject the whole concept of spiritual warfare because they have bought into the lies of the Western civilization. We need to get back to what the Bible says reality is. Dr. Ed Murphy, in the Handbook for Spiritual Warfare, says, "...the biblical worldview dimension can be expressed in one statement. Present reality exists in a state of cosmic, earthly conflict or spiritual warfare." That's reality. So our attempt in the next few weeks is going to be to discover what reality is according to the Bible. What is our need? Our need is, number one, to repent of our error in worldview. To examine the way that we think and the way that we interpret events around us, and to see where we have based our lives upon what is untrue, and to repent of that, to flush it out. To do that, secondly, we need to pray for discernment, that we may not be deceived, and third, As we begin to grasp what the biblical worldview is, we need to practice it, we need to incorporate it into our lives, and not continue to live like that pilot who's in his cockpit heading for disaster. Let's allow the instruments of our lives to be recalibrated according to the Word of God in our study of it together, so that we may fly through this life victoriously. Now, some people get very scared when you talk about spiritual warfare folks there's nothing to be scared of there's something to be vigilant about but nothing to be scared of because jesus christ has already won the war we're involved in skirmishes there are very real battles that we face but the war has already been decided and the bible's already declared who wins we win There's nothing to be scared of. And greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He is the one who always leads us in triumph. And so we approach this theme and this subject humbly, asking God to teach us, but we also approach it with confidence. Knowing that in Jesus Christ we are victors because He is the victor. And that as we get equipped to win, to, to, uh, to fight this battle, we will win some of the battles that we constantly lose now. That's my goal and I hope you share that with me. Our God is a God who reigns. He is an awesome God. He is majestic above the heavens. Let's worship Him right now. O Lord, Yahweh, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Lord, in principle, we do at this moment repent of the false ideas that we have gleaned as we have grown up. Show us where we have believed lies and built our lives on them. we pray that as we learn what true reality is, that we will know how to incorporate that and will do so, <clears throat> so that our lives will be based upon the truth. We worship you as the one who is the victor, and we press on in our search for the truth because you have commanded us to do that, and because you reign above all things. Amen. Let's stand together and sing of our awesome God. these folks to come forward so that we can extend the right hand of fellowship to you. John Hennessy, Steve and Ann Lom, Jim and Deb Kaufman, Eric Crane, Deb Monson, Catherine Lurkey, Tim Larson, Krista and Tim Larson, Paul Peterson, Bruce Nivon Olson, Dennis and Sharon Bryan. If you'll come and form a line right here, we will come by afterward and greet you. We welcome you into our church. And we're going to sing again this chorus. Can we throw it back up there? Mm -hmm. I want you to notice that chorus that says, Our God, that's where we start, is an awesome God. We're not just singing a chorus. We're singing reality. He is an awesome God who reigns from heaven above. That's reality. And notice what kind of a God he is. Wise, powerful, loving, awesome. Let's sing again what reality is. Our God. God bless you. Thank you for being here and come by and greet these new members right after you have been dismissed. God bless you.